Good afternoon. AJ's mom is totally wiped out. Four years after her son is born, and her son is still not speaking. And she is really tired because, as you can imagine, when you're really frustrated about something, and you, we have the ability to, to talk about it with our friends or our parents, whatever, but imagine having a child who cannot express his or her emotions. So when this child gets mad, he screams and he yells and he kicks and he bites, he headbutts and he headbangs. So the mom and I are talking on the phone and she's like, I, everybody's telling me I have to go to a chiropractor because there's something different than you guys do because whatever we're doing isn't working, right? The speech therapy we've done isn't really doing anything and OT and stuff. So, but I am completely confused because I think chiropractic is about what? Nothing. She says, so you're going to have to explain to me how it is that this is going to work because I don't get it, right? Everything that I know about chiropractic, but when I myself, I mean, her, I've been to a chiropractor, I certainly haven't heard anything about you know, what you might be able to do for a child on the spectrum. So I explained to her that chiropractic isn't about the back and it's not about the bone. And it's about the brain and nerve system. And let's get the brain and nerve system reconnected, right? Just like Billy was talking about. If a child is disconnected, we have to reconnect them. So after our 15 minute or so conversation on the phone, she made an appointment, brought this little boy in a couple months ago, and he's cowering behind his mother like this. Like just, just not wanting to, to see me because he's not enough doctors, right? I mean, how many pokes and prods and all kinds of stuff this little kid had. And, I, and the mom is, is, is embarrassed, and this is what happens. And I want you to get from the parent's perspective, right? I know a lot of the parents over there, but I want you to hear it because I see it all the time. 30 years of practice, I see this all the time. So the mom is saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm saying, it's okay. There's no rush to this, right? I am not in any kind of speed racer mindset that I have to do something right now and get something done, right? My exam can take as long as it needs to take. And it, might, it may have to take a couple of visits to really get the information that we want, right? I'm not in any rush to dive into something like this. And she's so thankful that we have that approach instead of having to try to rush through something and try to pull him away from being scared. If he's scared, that's okay. Let him be scared, right? Because imagine being put in another situation with some other person, another set of eyes looking at you, Right? And you can't say, like, I am sick of this. So what do you do is you just go berserk behind your mother. So we get enough information to, you know, he calms down a little bit, enough information just to get things going. And they come in for the next visit and kind of do this sort of like this report of planning, second part of the exam kind of a thing, right? And I, I specialize in a lot of hormonal-based techniques, so we use best technique, bioenergetics, and network, and that kind of stuff. So I did a very gentle, total technique on him, and very non-invasive, and the mom is so thankful because she's worried after seeing, you know, different things on the internet, because you know, YouTube and Dr. Google is the place that every mom is going to search on. She's worried of what's going to happen post-adjustment, right? And I said, that I'm telling you, she's because she, she's a, he's just going to be screaming and yelling and kicking. I, I, it's okay, I got this. 
I got this. I've done this before. I got this. I know exactly where you're coming from, and I know exactly where he's coming from. And he and I, at the second visit, we have this like brain mill. And Dr. Webster was my teacher when I went to the foundation, and he talked about brain melts. Uh, you know, this is when Star Trek was big, or those Star Wars hubbub that we have now and stuff. So, so, so brain melt, that's like this Vulcan thing, you know, spot. So he and I had this brain melt in the second visit as I'm doing bioenergetics with him, and he's looking me in the eye. And the mom is like, I cannot believe he's looking you in the eye. Right? And, my, but I, and afterwards, I told him, I said, I, but I knew he would, right? Because when, when, you, when you suck yourself into their little brains like this, you can get them to do stuff. Time stops being something that's measurable, and become, you become part of this child, and your eyes just sink into each other, and he is there, and I am there, and I'm holding him, and I know that he knows what I'm doing, right? And he knows why. And from that point on, there was never any problem with this little boy. And the next visit, he comes in, and he says, hi. First words, hi. And the mom is like, like, he just, before this, was a, you know, the point where his elbows, point where his, his fingers like this. Yesterday, I see him, and the mom says, he now can, if I say, what's your name, he'll answer. If I say, uh, who, who am I, he'll say, mommy. If, if I say, where are we in the, in the house, I say, our house. He now answer, can answer questions. This has been like a month and a half into care. What you and I do is unbelievable. Why isn't this whole place packed with people? With our fingertips, right? This is what we do. This is why we do what we do. I don't care about adjusting adults, except they have kids. <laughs> right? I need, so I need one for the other, but otherwise, I just want to see the kids. I just want to see the kids, right? Because the kids, you just, I melt with them. I melt with them. There's something so special about seeing these children, and they, they, we just do this. There's a dance. I want you to think about your adjustments, whether you're a chiropractor or you're a student. You're dancing with the child, right? We're just going into this nice little rhythm, and you have to find their rhythm. And some of their rhythms are much quicker, and some of their rhythms are much slower. You need to find their rhythm. And then the next thought of what, what we do as a chiropractor, especially for those students that are here, is you're also a sculptor, right? Like when, <clears throat> when, when you think about this like block of wood or block of granite or whatever it is that they sculpt with, and I'm not much of a sculptor myself, but it is it, a big, like the David, we saw the David in Italy, right? And Michelangelo was asked, like, how did you, after he made this amazing six, ten-foot statue, whatever big it is, with such unbelievable detail, he said, how did you see that? He said, I just let David out. David was already in there. I just let him out, right? But that's what I want to do with my patients, right, is I see them coming in in whatever state they're in, and I want to sculpt them out, right, and just whittle pieces away of disconnection, right? Their brains are so disconnected. And that's my topic for today. <laughs> I, I'm not used to this one. Uh, so that, that's my topic for today. So what's wrong with, with our brains? Right? There's something really different about our brains than our kids' brains. Right? Just a thought process. So 1900, what's the top cause of death in 1900? The top cause of death. is communicable illness. Very good. It was communicable illness, so the tuberculosis, dysentery, those kind of things. 
So in 2010 and today, the top causes of death are what? Chronic issues like cancer, heart disease. That's number one and number two, right? So you can see that over, over time, that things have gone down like this from the infectious disease thing and gone up like this for, for, and that's what everybody talks about. They see the public health issue number one is cancer and heart disease. This is public health issue number one. Cancer and heart disease are things that happen in a very large percentage of time. A lot of those things are potentially preventable, right? We're smoking, we're doing something to our bodies that are making these things happen. This, when I was a kid, it was one in 10,000. In the 1960s, when I was a kid, it was one in 10,000. Now it's one in 59. That's the number one public health menace, is what's, what's wrong with our brains. It's not Cancer and heart disease, yeah, it's a big problem too. But what's wrong with our brain? Because I'm thinking about the future. I am future facing. I want you to think about the future. And the problem isn't just in children on the spectrum. The problem is with ADHD. 43% of children, a 43% increase in children with ADHD in the last five years. Look at this increase in diagnosis from 1997 to 2017, 43% increase. One in five children have a learning disability. How is that possible? How is that possible? In the United States, that one in five children have a learning disability. There's this one in five minds, one in five children has some type of mental disorder. These are big, huge websites talking about this kind of stuff. The amount of concussions that has gone up 500% since 2010. Now, there's a lot of people out there who are going to tell you the reason that all this stuff is going up is because of better diagnosis. And I will admit that diagnosis has something to do with it. There's definitely been an increase in the ability to diagnose, but that's not all the factors, right? There hasn't been a 500% increase in, in concussions just because of diagnosis. It's because something's going on with our brain. Lyme disease is skyrocketing. When I was in school, Lyme disease was taught that it was a tick-related thing, it caused some neurological issues, and we kind of glossed over. This is a giant thing. I don't know about you guys as docs, but I am seeing people with Lyme disease that is causing all kinds of emotional, psychological, and behavioral kind of issues too. This is huge stuff. One in 12 children have asthma. This is the number one like, health problem with kids in this country right now, is asthma. How is that possible that one in 12 kids who are breathing our air can't breathe it right? What is going on with our country? Increasing all autoimmune diseases, including pandas, pants, all these other kind of pitams and all the kind of acronyms that they have for these, these autoimmune, pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric diseases. This is incredible. Right? We can keep on looking at this kind of stuff. It's all going up. And here's the thing I wanted to bring out. See, is the, I said, what's wrong with our brains? Because I didn't say what's wrong with kids' brains. Did you notice that? Because it's not just kids. Right? Alzheimer's, 55% increase in the last 15 years. This is not just children. Right? This is adults, too. There's Alzheimer's skyrocketing up. Parkinson's, massive increase in Parkinson's from 76 to 2005. What is going on with our brains? That's my focus. Look at Parkinson's from the 70s to 2003 for this one particular study. Brain disorders by the numbers. Brain disorders, including nerve developmental, psychiatric, and neurogenic disease, represent an enormous disease burden in terms of human suffering and economic cost. From the World Health Organization, there is ample evidence that pinpoint neurological disorders are the greatest threat to public health. 
the greatest threats. Because we're not just talking like about one thing, we're talking about autism and ADHD and learning disorders and concussions and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, and you're lumping all this together. The brain health in this country is falling apart, and there's only one set of people who can do something about this. And it's the people I'm talking to. Right? Because nobody else is going to do anything about it the way we can. Right? We are we are the great reconnectors. Right? There's a lot of stuff out there, there's a lot of great things out there, but we are the great reconnectors. And I don't understand how come our offices aren't filled with adults and children who are looking to be reconnected. Because we have a disconnected world. Our brains are falling apart, and we have to do something about this. So it's cancer and heart disease are not the only major public health issues that should be talking about. It's the problem of our time right now is we're falling apart. That's the number one problem of our times. Just to show you proof that we're growing weaker brains. Women are unable to carry a child to full term. 12% of women are unable to, to carry children to full term now. Do, do you think that, that rings on something going on? Is it, is it, what, why would that be? Why would that be in our society? 17 to 25% of infants have colic reflux. I want you to think about this when we talk about colic and reflux. And this next one here, which is 60% of the women stop breastfeeding earlier than desired, which means and one of the major reasons here is latching and nursing problems. What do you think is happening when a child has latching and nursing problems, or and or, which is they very often put together, have cognitive reflux? What do you think is going on? What's the, well, what's the fix for something like this? If you can't nurse, what's the fix? Let's give them a bottle. Right? That's, that's the quick fix. But nobody's thinking about, well, why? Why is that child not nursing? Because his brain doesn't get it, or her brain doesn't get it. That's what's happening. This is a brain thing, right? Not nursing, not latching is a brain thing. What about colic and reflux? Why, it, it, so how do you fix colic and reflux if you're a general population person? You take some Prevacid or Pepsid or some kind of drug like that, right? And that fixes the problem, makes it so in some cases, it makes them feel better. But is that the fix? Is that what's really going wrong? What's going wrong is the child's brain doesn't know how to nurse. The child's brain doesn't know how to digest. Do you think that the problem, and what I've been telling people is, if you think about this, if this was 300 years ago, and there was no anything that we have right now, nothing modern, right? So 300 years ago, this was a very you know widespread world kind of area. Would having a child who couldn't nurse, what would happen to that child? They would die, right? This is not an evolutionarily good idea, right? This we're not. We're not doing well with this. We're not actually growing, having more and more kids who can't nurse. If you couldn't, if every time you, you had rest back 300 or 400 or 1,000 years ago, you screamed all night long because of colic or reflux, what would that do for the predators that were around? Would that be a great idea? Like, you would have to have like all kinds of people with spears around the tribe to fend off the wolves and coyotes. Right? It is not an evolutionarily good idea to have cognitive reflex at this level and latching and nursing problems at this level. But nobody's talking about what the real problem is. The real problem is there's something wrong with these kids' brains. This is a brain issue. Cognitive reflex latching and nursing is not an issue of, oh, the poor kid just can't suck. Why? We need to ask the question, why? What's going wrong with them if they can't do these sort of things? Constipation is up to 25 
25% uh, of kids are constipation. How is it possible? If you're eating what you're supposed to be eating, you should be able to poop it out. Right? Eat food and sleep. That's what we talked about before. 10% of kids on the HDR sleep are reported to parent for sleep problems. What does this all mean? All these biostone things mean there's brain challenges. Right? All these things mean there's brain challenges. When a child can't roll on time, when a child can't sit on time, when a child isn't crawling on time, or doing any of these things abnormally, there's something going on with their brains. This is what we really need to start explaining to our parents. Right? When somebody comes in and they talk about, God bless you, when someone comes in and they talk about one of these kind of issues, I always tell them, my job, first of all, my, as a self-exation-based chiropractor, my job is to fix any symptom or problem. I have nothing to do with a symptom or problem. So I make sure they understand that. So my job is to make collar ball rate, reflux go in, make some latching errors, but that's not my, my job is remove subluxations, make their brain and nerve system work better. Because understand, mom or dad, the problem is the brain and nerve system is not working right. This child does not get processing the way he's supposed to be processing. That's what our problem is, that these ch ch children's problem is. But now I want you, I'm gonna take you to take this another step up, all right? I'm, I'm gonna challenge you guys, which is a lot, how many students are you working? Awesome, awesome. All right, I'm gonna challenge you students in thinking something you've never thought before, because I think this is, this is something we need to start kind of looking towards. Is it possible to have a brain injury due to a concussion of forces, right? So we were thinking, we all think about brain injuries now, like the typical word concussion, right, from the movie that we saw out of Pittsburgh, right? We think about somebody smacking their head against something, a football player, or a car accident, or some other kind of traumatic injury. But I'm suggesting, and you all probably understand this to some degree, that trauma is certainly one of the ways we can get a concussion. But can we get a concussion from toxins? And can we get a concussion from thoughts? Can those things create a concussion? And I don't mean a concussion in the sense that we all are talking about it. I mean a concussion of forces, right? Can all these forces come together and create some kind of a problem where the child has a concussion-like injury? And the answer is yes, because when you look at an article like this out of Behavioral Neurology, Pediatric Traumatic Brain Injury and Autism, Elucidating Shared Mechanisms. If you, the reason I, I am showing you this article is because last year, a child came into my practice in the morning who was high-functioning high autism. And a child came in the afternoon who had a post-concussion syndrome, and if you didn't know a history, and you just looked at their symptoms, they looked the same. Because the person, whether you have anxiety or stress, balance, coordination issues, communication issues, emotional recognition issues, executive function impaired, these are all things that, that autism and concussion share in common. So when I read this, when that happened, I was doing some research saying, how is that possible? These two kids look almost the same. If I didn't know what had happened, why they were brought them in here, I wouldn't know that one had one and one had the other. It would be impossible to tell. So then I started looking into more research. Here's one from Disrupted Neural Synchronization in Toddlers with Autism. What this is showing is that the, the reason that one of the, the, the theories that, of autism is that it starts when they're very little and their neural firing, they are disconnected and they're not synchronized. So this, the connections and the synchronization is not working the way it's supposed to and this starts compounding with each other but how do we see this? How do we see a child is having neural dysfunction, is having disconnection when they're really little? They're having latching problems, they're having nursing problems, they're having colic, they're having reflux, they're having crawling problems, they're having rolling problems. You ever watch these little children having crawling problems and 
they're on their body goes this way, part of the body goes that way, right? And they, they have this contradictory push-pull kind of thing. So when you, that's a brain problem. They should know how to roll. They should know how to crawl. This should be instinctual. But it's not because there's a neural, a neural synchronization disruption. There's another amazing article which you all should be reading. The Cerebellum Sensitive Periods in Autism at the Journal of Neuron. What this is talking about is one of my favorite words that I've read about in recent years is this word called dyskinesis. It's not, it's, it's not like subluxation, all those kind of sleeper kind of words, but dyskinesis. What a dyskinesis is, is a focal injury within the brain, and if there's an injury in the brain in that particular area, then anything downstream from that area won't work right. But what is the cause of the dyskinesis? And my postulate, my postulate, my theory is that there's a concussion of forces. There are traumas and toxins and thoughts of some kinds are going, are affecting this child either before they're born in our gametes or at, during, uh, during their gestation or right after they're born. There's some sort of concussion of forces that is stopping these kids, whether it's a neurological thing or it's a physical thing or it's an emotional thing. Something is going on with these children, creating a concussion of forces, and this concussion of forces is now leaving clues. And it starts with the latching and nursing problems and goes with the colic and reflux and keeps on going. And now you have these children with all these other issues. So you can look back and but some will say, I don't understand how they these kind of diagnoses. Well, look back. That's why, as a, for especially you guys who are students, I want you to look back. You, we talked about this before. You don't just talk about like he's three years or four years old and he's not talking. Let's talk about it right now. No, go back to the birth process. Go back to the pregnancy. Because this is where it's all starting from. That's what that dyskinesis is. There's, there's an inhibition in activity at a site that is distant from the site of injury, right? So here's the injury, but the problems are downstream because if there's a problem here, nothing else is gonna work. We call that a roadblock injury from Dr. Glenn Dolman, a roadblock injury. So here's the problem and it flows down like this. So here's my theory. Can there be an in utero or prenatal brain injury, which is a concussion of forces because of baby's position in mom, because of environmental stress, because of chemical toxicity. Can there be a concussion of forces? Right, we're not using the word concussion like an accident or injury. We're using the word concussion in a different way, right? We're, we're upping the vernacular. And so is it possible for us to have a concussion of forces that is downstream later on causing these sorts of neurodevelopmental issues that we're seeing? And from this one paper, ASD is autism spectrum disorder. Risk increases with early cerebellar injury. Look at, at this. Of all these things, the biggest thing that they found that has a, a highest risk of autism, next to having an identical twin, is a cerebellar injury at birth. Cerebellar injury at birth. But where did that come from? Right? And my suggestion is it's a concussion of forces. Even if it happens after birth, there's still a concussion of forces that have to occur, whether it's a vaccine injury or whether it's too much cell phone, microwave, radiation, whatever it happens to be, something is going on that's creating concussion of forces that is raising the risk of autism. And this paper was mentioned, this is one of these papers that everybody's been talking about since it came out. You know what's really sad about this paper? This is the instance of sad assumption of healthy newborns. You know what's sad about this paper? Is who wrote it? The osteopaths. Why aren't we writing these papers? Don't you think we should be writing these papers? Shouldn't this be from the journal of the, uh, the, the, I don't even know who, <laughs> right? But it shouldn't, Osipat shouldn't be doing this, it should be us, right? This group should be responsible 
for a follow-up study on this. Because how many newborns do all of us who are in practice see? All right, and we can kind of figure this out. And eventually, the newborns coming out of our practices way different than the newborns coming out of a typical practice, out of an osteopathic practice, right? So look at look at this this paper here. We talked about this before. Ninety-nine out of hundred newborns have either cranial, sacral, or cervical strain. Ninety-nine out of hundred. That means almost every kid is we'll call it subluxated, okay? We call it instead of somatic dysfunction or whatever. We'll call it ninety-nine out of hundred kids are subluxated. Why are we adjusting 99 out of 100 newborns? Can someone explain this to me? I do not understand. We've been around for 120 something or other years. How come we're still focused on back pain? Sure, there's a lot of people with back pain, right? I get it, there's a lot of people with back pain, and that's, we, we need to adjust to people with back pain too. But they all got kids, or grandkids, you know, or nieces and nephews, right? Or cousins or something. We need to be adjusting more kids. So I'd like to suggest a new term, which is mild non-traumatic brain injury. Mild non-traumatic brain injury. So we all know MTBI, right? Mild traumatic brain injury. I'm suggesting a new term that I started to write a research paper on myself called mild non-traumatic brain injury, where it is a brain injury that has occurred from a non-traumatic cause because there are three T's, not just one, right? Palmer said trauma, thoughts, and toxins need to say trauma, right? You've been so focused on one T, right? Chiropractic has become the one T profession. That's a mistake. We made a mistake. I'll tell you, all poor fathers made a mistake. And I accept responsibility that, that that's okay, and we gotta do something about it. And who's gonna do something about it is you students. And you new docs that are coming out in the field, you guys are do something about it. You guys are gonna make a difference. You guys are gonna do the research. You guys are gonna do things. You guys have the internet that we didn't even know it could ever exist. Right? We would, you couldn't have told me when I was in chiropractic school that I could get all my textbooks on, on some little thing about this big and read it like this. That just blows me away. So there's a beautiful thing about these things, right? There's a beautiful thing, but there's a dangerous thing too. And part of that is that we need to get, we need to use the tools that we have now to get the message out more. That's what we need to do. So, is it possible that an infant had cranial cervical strain in utero at birth or its first year? Might non-traumatic brain injury be the result? Can a child later diagnosed with autism start with a concussion-like injury? That's what I want you to think about. I want, especially you students, I want you to start thinking about this. Send me your thoughts about it. Facebook message me or email me or somehow contact me through the internet, God knows how, right? Because I would like to say my thought process is this, based upon what we're talking about. Is it possible that humanity is actually evolving? I think we are. I think we can't nurse, and we can't digest food, and we can't crawl, and we can't roll, and we can't do all the things that we should be able to do and we, without any assistance, right? 300 years ago, you could not have a child strive with these kind of problems. Now we have this amazing you know, formulas, these other things to help these kids, but that's, the, that's just quick fix around it. It's not solving any kind of problems. I think humanity is de-evolving. My suggestion is that the brain is not being fed. The brain is not being fed. I think that we have starving brains and what is happening in our society is a result of starvation. We are starving brains. We have plenty of food, but there's no nutrition in it. Starving brains. We got these lovely cell phones, right? But it's, we stop human interaction. Starving brains. Right? Family dinners. This is a family dinner. Every sister looks at her phone, right? 
right? My wife and I are just over there eating lunch, and there's a bunch of people sitting there, and they're all sitting on their phones, sitting on their phones. Like, put the damn phones down, talk, look in each other's eyes, right? We're training our kids to not look in each other's eyes. We're training our kids to, to be a-emotional, non-emotional, right? And not be able to have, like, face-to-face -face conversations and looking in each other's eyes. That used to be, like, when my father told me to shake hands, you shake hands with that person's eyes. That's what he called me. Now, you just you want to shake hands, send an emoji, right? That's how you shake hands. You send them a high five, right? God forbid you touch anybody, right? Concerts, wait, this is such a funny thing, you know? We, we go to a concert, and like, everybody around us is like holding up their phones, like, experience what you're experiencing now! Like, you know, look at this later, and that was a great concert, but I don't really remember it because I had stepped in the whole day like this. Like, what, what was the point of that? This is, like, how do we used to wait? Yeah. We're in airports, and there's just a thousand people sitting there in Orlando. Like, what do we choose to do, right? Before there were phones, and if you have a newspaper sitting around, you're just like, just having to talk to your neighbors and friends, or twiddle your thumbs, or walk, pace back and forth. But now everybody's just spending all their time on their phones, their, best, their new best friends. This is hanging out, right? When I was a kid, how did mom find me? She would open up, the, I live in an apartment building, I live in the, in the second floor, she would open up like, like this, and I was downstairs probably playing hockey, that's what I did, like every single day, my entire young life. Dreams in the time, right? How do you find your kids now? Text them, because where are they? They're in the basement. They're in the basement with all their friends, and they're playing Minecraft, and the four kids are sitting like this, not communicating whatsoever, they're all this, and they're maybe saying the grunt, they're going, oh, ah, ooh, ooh, whatever, but nobody's talking with each other, right? They're talking through, and they're even talking through, like, I've watched this, that people are talking with Minecraft to each other, next to each other, instead of saying something, right? And holy cow, what a different world. Even nursing, right? Do you think that this child here is having the same experience as this child here is? No way! Do you think there's an oxytocin difference in these two different moms? Absolutely. One mom's like sitting here doing work or checking Facebook posts or whatever, and this mom is, I'm loving my little baby. Right? The oxytocin connection. Do you think that makes a difference? It sure does. Right? Starving brains. This is an example. Right? This kid's brain is starving. He might be getting nutrition, thankfully, because mom is breastfeeding, but this kid is getting nutrition plus. Right? Remember BJ said they adjust with the extra something, right? That's what we're talking about, that extra something. What's the extra something? We are delivering that extra something. The chiropractic adjustment, you realize that, is the extra something. But, but that's how powerful what we do because it is there's, it's a life-giving thing. We are the social engagement reconnector of these little kids. Because here's what we did when we were in the 80s or 70s or 60s or before. Uh, and how this is this is hanging out now, right? That we're just not using our brains. But we know chiropractic works, right? This is just studies from my office, right? Interns who've gone through my office and have written papers about patients in my office. So here's chiropractic care helps with feedback. This woman had this like most miserable ever uh, first birth, and she comes to my office saying, I hear that chiropractic can help, you know, have a better pregnancy and stuff. I said, Absolutely, let's let's have you the best pregnancy you possibly can have the best outcome. She had a VBAC water birth. How about that for a difference? From like a 36 hour hard old labor to ending in a C-section to having a VBAC water birth. Right? Like what a difference. What a difference. 
chiropractic helping kids with colic and torticollis. Chiropractic helping kids with colic and uh, developmental delay. Chiropractic helping more kids with reflux. Chiropractic helping kids with constipation. Chiropractic, this is a paper recently I wrote, chiropractic with primitive reflexes. One of the most important things you guys gotta learn is, right, ICPA, we, we, to me, one of the most important things you have to do is after you guys graduate or while you're in school is you gotta start studying and you never ever stop, right? How do I, how, because how do you find all these papers? Because I'm constantly looking. I'm scouring, looking for stuff that's gonna help support what I do, to help me explain what I do, to help me tell more people about what I do. This is a, my, one of my latest papers, Improvement in Autism Behaviors Following Chiropractic Care, the application of polyvagal theory. How many of you have read the polyvagal theory? You've got to read this book, The Polyvagal Theory, by Dr. Stephen Borges. <clears throat> right? It, there's, there's so much information. I, 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 if I had five hours, I couldn't even possibly talk to you about it enough. The, 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 the vagus nerve, the wandering nerve that we talked about before, Dr. Abbey, this is one of the most important nerves to understand, especially the social connection. That's what the, the, the vagus nerve is, not just rest and digest, right? That's what we learned in textbooks. But the, Dr. Borges has found that the vagus nerve is way more than rest and digest. The vagus nerve is social engagement as an additional piece. We need to understand that. That's why when we adjust a child and we see their social communication improve very rapidly with their eye contact and their ability to, to speak and and to have like social interaction and joint attention, right? Joint attention is one of the most important things that a child uh, can do that a lot of kids on the spectrum aren't doing. Joint attention is like, I have a toy, let's say this is like Thomas Technique. If I tell you this is Thomas Technique, if some, on this, a child on the spectrum, he won't or she won't care, right? But if I put Thomas Technique down to a neurotypical child, then they'll pick it up and they'll play, they'll play back and forth, right? That's joint attention. So joint attention is so important. Success in school, I love getting this. Kids who, who were able to do anything in school and not getting all smiley faces instead of frowny faces and getting you did it instead of you can't do it, right? We are the revolution. Chiropractic is the revolution that needs to be uh, you know, talked about out there. And let me tell you something. This is not just in the United States. Certainly the United States has probably one of the worst, but it's not just the United States. Here's an amazing article that came out of World Health Organization. Developmental disabilities among children younger than five years in 195 countries called the Global Burden of Disease Study from 2016. If you read over here, it talks about Sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia, where there are no cell phones, right? There are no iPads. This is, we're talking about the middle of nowhere. But they're having issues too with developmental problems because this is a pervasive thing. Now, certainly we have it a lot worse than the children uh, here in this country and other developed countries. I was just speaking in St. Barcelona. <laughs> the uh, autism rate in Barcelona is 1 in 100, right? We're 1 in 59. They're not that far behind us, but they are. There's definitely a difference. It's, it's all over. It's all over. It's everywhere. What's happening is we are globally failing our children. Ultimately, that's what's going on. We are globally failing our children. And there's only one group of people that I know of who can change that, and that's us. Us as chiropractors. We need to do something. We need to step up. We need to feel urgent about this. We can't wait for someone else. We can't wait for another day. We can't say, oh, I'll do it later or whatever. We gotta do this now. We gotta do this yesterday. It is up to us right now to feel that sense of urgency so we can get moving. 
right? Because if it's one in 59 now, what's gonna be when the stats come out in another three or four years? If we do nothing, if we, or we just keep up the, the pace that we're going, which is not enough, right? The pace that we've been doing is not enough because the race is still going like this. If one, if the next time it comes out, like 220, 22 or something like that, it's gonna be like one in 40, right? And the suggestions are at some point in time by 2050, it could be one in two children have some kind of issue, some kind of developmental delay or issue. That's unacceptable. We gotta do something about this. Because you go back in World War II, there was a saying. And that saying was not on my watch. Think about the bravery. Just think about Memorial Day. First of all, any veterans here? Any veterans? Thank you for your service. Why did, do people serve our country like this? Imagine going in Normandy in one of these boats and you know, having this door go down over here with all kinds of people shooting at you, knowing that 50% of us aren't going to make it, right? And why would they do that? Why do veterans do it for us to be here now, right? So I'm suggesting that we need to start thinking about our children because they knew back in 1945 when they were landing at D-Day in Normandy, they knew at some point in time in 2019, we'd be talking right here, right? We'd be talking right here, and we'd be talking about the freedom that we have to do this. And they knew if we didn't do what we were gonna do, then 50 or 70 or 100 years from now, they're not gonna do what we want them to do. We have the same responsibility. We have the same responsibility. If we don't start stepping up our game, chiropractors and chiropractic students, we don't start stepping up our game, right? This will be a very different universe in the next 50 years. We better step this up. We got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. There was an article that came out uh, just last week. Just last week, an article that came out about flourishing. Did someone see that article? Is that the only person, crazy person, see this article? Usually. So there's an article. Do you have the article about flourishing? There's an article about flourishing. Came out in. Thank you. My beautiful wife. <laughs> Only 40% of U.S. kids are flourishing. Only 40% of U.S. kids are flourishing. That's sad. That's sad. And this is the article that it came from. This is sort of a summary. <laughs> Family resilience and connection promote flourishing among U.S. children, even amid diversity. Came out of the journal Cultural Health. I'm sorry, Health Affairs. Health Affairs, May 2018. So what this talks about is the two main components of flourishing according to their thought process. The two main components of flourishing are resilience and connection. Resilience and connection. So they're talking about it from a public health perspective. So flourishing means resilience, like the family building resilience and the having family to help back you up and talk, talk about you can do this, kind of behind you, right? That's that kind of thing. And connection, family connection, feeling like I can trust my family, I can go to my brothers and sisters and mom and dad and, and extended family. That's the kind of connection that they're talking about. I would like to suggest there's a connection that we can talk about as chiropractors. That there's a, that there's a, a neuro-flourishing that I want to talk about. Neuro-flourishing. Something a little bit different than this, right? And what this is, is we can promote resilience, but our resilience is because we've improved the nerve system. And when we improve the brain and the nerve system, 
Now what we can do is now that child has a better immune system. That fact has a better GI system, has a better musculoskeletal system. All those systems that come into place, right? Because right, the child comes in on the spectrum, there's going to be three dysfunctions that they're going to have. They have a GI dysfunction, they have an immune dysfunction, and a neuromusculoskeletal dysfunction. And we can help those three areas. We are going to build resilience. So that is a neural resilience. It's a neural, we're talking neurological changes, a neural flourishing instead of just regular flourishing. And then in terms of connection, what do we do? These children come in, and are they connected? No, Dr. Melillo, one of my heroes and mentors says, they're disconnected, right? They're disconnected kids, this book, they're disconnected. So when, when we talk about neural flourishing, we're talking about neural connections. We are reconnecting these kids. That's how come little AJ can talk now, who wasn't talking. And, and we've seen this over and over and over again. That's why this is so important, because it's so See, you can read this thing and say, oh, that's really interesting. That's an interesting paper about resilience and connection, and not even put the two and two together. I'm asking, when you look at this kind of stuff, to go one step beyond. To not just say, well, this paper is just about the, the psychological variables. No, this paper can be extrapolated into something else. Just like when I talked about the other papers I mentioned. When you have these different papers, you can extract chiropractic out of almost anything. And that's what I want you guys to think about. Because we have a, we got a big job to do. And our job is not even starting to get close. We need to get more people on our Facebooks. You know what, why? Because what we need to do on Facebook is educate them about chiropractic. Because wouldn't it be great if every single person in this room posted every single day about chiropractic. Because then all your friends, and the non-patient friends, and the non-student friends, and the non-doctor friends would see chiropractic, chiropractic, chiropractic. My dream is to have so many people posting about chiropractic that every time like people like was just looking at their Facebook was like, chiropractic, chiropractic. Say so like dog, funny cat pictures, what I'm eating cute babies, which is all nice and stuff, right? But how about making this, how about turning Facebook into an educational system for us? Why don't we take over Facebook? Wouldn't that be cool? I think we should take over Facebook and make it into, into what we should do. I think we should be taking over podcasts. I have a podcast for chiropractic. I think we should be taking over podcasts. I think more and more people should be listening to chiropractic podcasts because listening to like all these other dramatization things, they're all great, nice time killers, but Chiropractic podcast, we can teach them something, right? We can teach them how to live, change what they're thinking about. Why aren't more of us doing this kind of stuff? Why aren't we taking on? Social media is where it's at now, right? That's the big push, right? So let's take it over so we can educate people about how we take care of the kids, how we take care of the families, how we take care of all these different things. Because to me, the most important thing is not about listening to me, it's about listening to the innate wisdom that we can talk about. Because most people don't trust their own bodies. Most people don't trust their kids' bodies. They don't understand that there's an innate healing mechanism inside each kid, and they don't understand about neuroplasticity, right? Neuroplasticity, that, that a brain can have the ability to change to any extent, who knows what, but why not try? Isn't that the whole point of what we're doing? The whole point is we gotta get these people to think, they don't know. They just don't know. I had a mom come in recently with a, a, a child who's very disabled, and the child's got all kinds of issues going on, and she was so appreciative of what we were doing with her, because what we were talking to her about was we were talking to her about neurology. 
and we're talking to her about the brain and the nervous system, and we're talking to her about potential, and we're talking to her about neuroplasticity, we're talking about polyvagal theory, and we're talking about high-level stuff because that's what they want. They want to know that she, she doesn't come in expecting a miracle and a magic wand, right? What they're expecting is us to say, here's another way, right? Whatever way you've been going down is working okay, but here's another way, right? And I'm not an alternative, right? Chiropractic is not an alternative. I'm not an alternative to opium, the opioid problems. I'm not an alternative to aspirin. I am not, chiropractic is not an alternative. Chiropractic is the only system that works on integrating and reconnecting the brain and the nervous system. It's the only one. There's a lot of other things that kind of juggle inside and outside around it and stuff, but we are the great reconnectors. And we need to do something more about that. And we haven't been. And I'm so thankful that Dr. Steve invited me here today because we've got to tell more people about what we do. And I give you some ammunition and a lot of stuff to think about and ponder about and research on. And I'd love to hear your feedback on it because I feel that this is the next phase of what chiropractic is going to be going into. The next phase of what we're going into is to really start focusing on the brain and the nervous system that we have never done before, right? We've been musculoskeletal for a long time. I know what they said recently in Europe, right? Let's get, let's get the word neurology out of it. We can't let that happen here. We have to stand up. We have to stand up because what makes us different is the brain and the nervous system and how we are the reconnectors. Thank you so much. Any questions? 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 Too bad you weren't too enthusiastic. Yeah, I know. No questions. It's a once in a lifetime chance to ask questions. Going once, going twice. Thanks so much. Thank you. We're going to soon go into a